What's up, everybody? This is Jeffrey Lyles, and you are listening to Lyles Movie Files. We had some crazy technical difficulties the last few weeks, so that's why we have been MIA, or we've been in a long-form turkey coma. Take your choice. Joining me on tonight's show, where we are going to recap the Arrowverse, is little brother Jace and J. King. What's up, fellas? We're good. Doing excellent. Doing excellent. Doing some podcasting. Happy Christmas. Happy everything. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever your thing is, man. Happy all of it. Good deal. All right. Let's jump right into it, Jace. So we're going to do a real brief recap of the three main shows that are going to be tying into Crisis. So let's start kind of how they roll out on the CW. Uh, Supergirl, you know, I always... I always find Supergirl to be a better show to watch in a binge format where I can watch four or five episodes in a row. Of all the Arrowverse shows, it it just doesn't work as well when it's week to week to week. And it's like some storylines take longer than I'd like to pay off. But when you can watch them in a binge format, it really works a lot better. And I'm really enjoying this season of Supergirl so far. I know you guys had kind of warned me it wasn't going to be as good, but I've liked how it's played out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, we didn't warn you it was not going to be good. We were, we were actually telling you to catch up because it actually has been good. It's like, I mean, based on what how last season ended, it has actually been paying off very well, that storyline with Lena kind of getting her payback on Supergirl. And the weird thing about this season has been I have not wavered in my undying support, undying support for Lena Luthor. And it's so weird because it's Supergirl show, but I feel like Lena's 100% right with her perspective and her like, well, screw you. I can't trust anybody. And that really cool flashback episode where we learned the full depths of Lena's trust issues and how it was ruined even before Kara. I'm just enjoying Lena's arc. And Katie McGraw is killing it this season. I think she may be, if not the MVP of the Arrowverse first half of the season. Maybe kind of 1A, one, one 1B one with Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin. Uh, no, no. Je- Jesse Martin. Jesse Martin's the MVP. He hasn't been in as many episodes. I mean, when he delivers that tearjerker, he's always, I always feel like he is the the undisputed best supporting actor across the board. But I'm talking about like the the main, main like, woo, you know. Story, like, okay. Yeah, they're in like most episodes and they're getting a lot of attention, pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lena, Lena and Katie McGraw, man, she's she's done it up this season. And I and and Melissa Benoist has been really good. She sold Supergirl's anguish and grief over her actions ruining her friendship. But man, I'm still Lena was right. <laughs> and <laughs> I have enjoyed that arc and I like how they've set it up where even after Crisis, there's still a lot that can be done with it. Well, what do you think on Supergirl and Lena? Well, I really like how, like, last week, we, I mean, we, we ended off with uh, Ramad- Ramadan, you know, not really. I mean, he, he wasn't Ramakan. Ramakan, whatever. 
<laughs> you you cause Pompeii, Pompeii, but yet you can't handle this? Like, seriously? Okay. Yet there was never a Superman or Supergirl on the Earth when that happened. So you never had a real threat. I wish but, he had wiped out Pompeii the movie. I think the, the actors wish that actually didn't see the light of day too, but it happened. But even with him as the like, oh, he's he's the big threat. It's like no, Lena is still the biggest threat, and she still comes off as like like you say, like tell me, prove me I'm wrong, and I'll stop. But you guys can't because <laughs> a, I mean it's like hey, I grew up in the Luther household where there are a bunch of snakes. But then oh man, I got one girl who's hey man she. She's she's been my homegirl since high school. She's had my back. And then I need her help to save Lex, my brother, who actually I love. He's just a little twisted. But then she screws me over. <laughs> and then it's like, oh wow, I have not, I don't trust any of you bastards. And then okay, I let my guard down one more time. And this brought in all her family and friends literally screw me over to my face and, la- and basically are laughing at me almost. It's like, yeah, and her 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 solution to that is just to take out the ability of people to harm each other. And I love the fact that she's, I'm not the villain. Like she is just out of it. I'm you. You're treating me like a villain, but I'm not. I'm the hero. I'm the good guy. And honestly, from what's kind of played out, she really has a strong point. Again, her her in her based on her myriad endgame. What is the harm to that? It's I can actually make human society a better, actually just society. Literally, I just throw that all over the world, and literally they will all help out each other. There is, and it's not even like I'm trying to control them afterwards. I'm done. Once I've done that, I'm I wrap this whole thing up. Okay, we should stop her because well, we we want people to have the freedom to be jerks. Why? Just because it's like, yeah, uh, I know you guys want to act like, I mean, this, this is like one of those Supergirl is, I actually appreciated her very much not going on straight team. Alex, like, yeah, just blow her up with a missile. It's like, no, I'm actually wrong. Let me try and make correct my mistake. It's like, I don't know what she's planning to do with Myriad because she's not telling me, but I also know I need to, hey, uh, before you do something that everybody else will think you're crazy for, let me try and take you off that ledge. So I, I appreciated them writing Kara like not like she's a bad per- guy in this situation either. She just, I made a mistake. I would like to correct it as much as possible. But I also, but I guess the other thing I really loved is like at the end of the day when she's like threw uh, Miss Tess Marker under the bus, that was perfect. No, like, eat, sacrifice yourself uh, under yeah. the bus. Well, yes, yes. Because she's like, you know, she's like, I got this. She's like, or hope. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think they did a great. I mean, it's funny. Like I'm like I think that um, the current Mistress Mocker is is pregnant, but they've done a good job. I think so too. she's maybe pregnant. Like, okay. I, I've watched Young and the rest of us long enough to know that hey, when they get when they put the jacket on all the time, there might yeah. be a little something up. So. Absolutely. But another cool thing they've done this season is continue what they started last year with having multiple villains. You mentioned Rama Khan. He was a good two or three episode bad guy. They did that midnight. Um, we had the shadow and we also had, um, Melissa, what Malika? 
so they've thrown in like three or four villains just for this halfway point of the season. And I love that because that feels more like a superhero who's dealing with multiple threats as opposed to one over the course of 22 episodes. That they can't handle. Versus right. Sit down, hey, let's think about this. Let's come up with the strategy, especially when you got a whole team. And exactly. The, you actually have Brainiac using his calculations like, no, here's the, here's the possibility, probability of this action happening versus this happening. What, what yeah. would you like me to do? Right. And in terms of Brainiac, I feel like he's less annoying to me for whatever reason this season. I think part of that is because they haven't kept trying to force this thing with him and Dreamer. Because if there's one weak point, seriously weak point of this season, it is the relationships. I don't think it's any coincidence that Supergirl's arcs have been so much better once Monel left the picture and we could just focus on Kara, the superhero, reporter, friend, as opposed to love interest with this lame dude. And Lena's never never needed a love interest. I actually liked her and James together, but she's fine on her own. I feel like the Alex scenes with Jimmy's sister haven't really added much. I don't like Jimmy's sister as a character because I just feel like she's, I don't know, placeholder character because we don't have James around. Yeah, we need we need a prominent black person. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, eh. She she didn't really offer much to me in this, and. She also I'm, wasn't, it's like James never mentioned his sister until last year. Yeah, season. it's just so convenient. Like, oh, yeah, here she is. And, oh, by the way, she's also a lesbian. Oh, hey, Kara's sister is also a lesbian. Let's put them together. I feel like maybe one thing that I would love to see in, in just shows in general would be to have more LGBT characters not together, but be just platonic friends like you have with, say, Kara and Lena. So it's not a thing of, a hey, you're the only lesbian character on the show. We've got to be together. But just, you know, like maybe they go out to a bar trying to find some women to pick up. And I just feel like that's an element that we don't get in these shows when they have LGBT characters. So small aside on that. Well, I was going to say, I I actually was trying to catch up on Black Lightning. And it was convenient that, like, you know, Nissa went out to the bar and then randomly the one girl, the reporter, the new reporter just happens to be gay and happens to want to hook up with her. Not not that I judge her for trying to hook up with Nissa, but it was just like, oh, OK, we we got rid of Gail. So we need to get this new character. It's like, hey, but I mean, but at least y'all like first interactions at a bar. So it's not like just there's a world where there's no other LGBT character yeah. versus the two that hook up. It's like, oh, OK, you see her as attractive. Well, hey, we, we understand that. But I think the other things, like a lot of them, they don't want to have, they want to have diversity on that front, but they don't want to have, like, say, hey, there's a whole giant world of LGBT characters. It's just like, we'll have them small, but we don't want to have too much, because then you're going to ask, why don't we see scenes where James and uh, Wynn were out at the bar trying to pick up girls? Like, stuff like that. It's just weird, because it's like, you know... Every LGBT character that we've ever seen on Supergirl has been connected in a relationship to Maggie or Alex. It's like the six degrees of separation. It's well, really odd. I, I always say I'm like, I, I, I know I've been in corporate America, and there might be me and one, I mean, at one point there might have been me and one black girl. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't, hey, I need to get with the black girl because you're the only one here. It was right. like, yeah. but hey, 
damn, there's, there's a lot of white people here. Yep. Exactly. It was never like, hey, since we're the only two, you want to hook up? No. I'm good. Exactly. It's <laughs> just so weird. Cause I know, yeah. But beyond that, I think Supergirl's been really good. It's It's been a show that, to me, continues to get better. Supergirl's issue has always been, well, can you finish it? Can you stick the landing? And sometimes that's not the case. But I'm optimistic by the way they've set everything up that we're going to get a better conclusion for how this season plays off. Now let's go into that crisis. Oh, Jeff, Jeff, you forgot to, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Now let's talk about that crisis uh, connection because Supergirl was the show last season that introduced a crisis crossover when the Monitor showed up and brought in Martian Manhunter's brother, and it's like, this is totally opposite of what we've seen from the Monitor. He's not the bad guy, so why is he introducing this evil character into the show? And they actually paid that off in a really good manner with this last episode before Crisis. And Monitor came to John and was like, hey, that was all the tests. I wanted to see how you'd respond. You are a good dude. This is the one thing holding you back, and I needed you stronger to deal with the threat that's coming. It was like, thank you. And it was, we don't need to spend like 40 minutes every episode on that, but it was just a simple closing the loop that they had introduced. And it made so much sense. It was like, thank you. Cause I didn't like how John was kind of this shady dude. And it was like, we all resolved that. And it was like, perfect. Now he's all set to go into crisis. Hopefully as Martian Manhunter, I don't, like Kim is just black guy doing stuff. I mean, that's yeah. cool, but he's Martian Manhunter. And we saw his brother for so much of the season as a Martian. It's like, we can, let's chip in a few more dollars so we can have him as a Martian. Yeah. I, I was the only thing when it, it's like, I, I enjoy it. Those two guys, it's like, they were like secret missions or stuff like that. When they were together, it was like, it doesn't actually make sense for them to have their human identities on. It's like, it's not putting anybody at ease. Not like when they fought Ramakan, it's like, why are you as Martian? Why are you not as Martian? Exactly. Man exactly. It's, like, it's like, you're, you're the random black dude. It's like, but I, I mean, I understand we are using a lot on the special effect budget, but that's kind of every now and then you got to kind of, you know, loosen up the first string, you know, cut it out episode on the back end. Yeah. And then we also got to see Lex again, and he's chilling, playing chess, and he's waiting to do something. And uh, we'll see what that is real soon. So I like that we kind of reminded us, hey, he's not dead, and he's going to be a big fixture in Crisis. Well, I think another thing about that is like because he he get he's on, it looks like uh, the monitor is about to give him the the uh, book, of, book Destiny. of Destiny, which I'm like, oh, okay. So again, it would be like. My, as much as I didn't think they were doing enough to tie in one of the main characters of Crisis, it seems like on that back, just that this issue, I mean, this episode, they're like, no, this is all playing into Crisis. So it's like, oh, this everything is much a much larger piece. It's like, oh, okay, I got you. Like, good job on you know paying that off and still leaving breadcrumbs for the next half of the season once Crisis is over. Yeah. All right, let's go on to Flash. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about Flash because I think it's been excellent. <laughs> I think they've done 
so much good work in terms of setting up and establishing that Flash is going to die in crisis. And they've covered all the emotional beats. He said farewell to everybody. They're all prepared and ready. And right before crisis hits, he has to deal with Ramsey, um, and who eventually becomes Bloodwork. I think they did a really cool job setting him up as a first half villain, establish his motive, let him develop his powers, confront Barry, beat Barry for a moment, lose, and go off to the sunset. And I love that arc. I loved how they paid it off, how they ended it. And I think if he doesn't show up the rest of the season, he'll be one of my favorite villains we've seen so far in the series. What do you think about blood work and this build a crisis? Honestly, is like I, those are my two favorite shows like right now because they I think they have like Supergirl and Flash like Supergirl first you know they've had a good story but Flash is like you are building like this is the end of Barry Allen it's like it has been very there's still there's still been a lot of action in the shows but then there's also that heartfelt like no he's going away. And all his friends are going to have to deal, or they're all dealing with the grief that comes with that. But then having blood work really just like, hey, I offer you this, you know, this way out from this heroic fate you have. But I can, I, I can stop people from dying. But he actually decides, no, it's like, no, I'm, 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 I'm the hero enough to, you know, keep going, even though knowing my fate is to die. And I think it's, it's like, I is, and I liked how they got they moved blood work off the table. Like that didn't seem cheap to me, huh? How they yeah, took him out. It was absolutely. like, I actually won. I didn't need 10,000 people. I needed you to do what I wanted you to, but it wasn't mm-hmm. me. You saying run faster. It was like, Hey, I'm giving you guys the breadcrumbs to beat this guy. Help me beat this guy. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to, I'm, he's going to get off the table. I mean, yeah. they, they, his wasn't like how era was when they, right before Elseworld, John had to give up, uh, being Green Arrow right before it started. It's like, that was like, okay, we've wrapped up blood work. He's an Argus. He's done. Yeah. And I'm going to really try not to butcher my man's name, but Sindhil Ramamurthy, who played blood work, was excellent. He played blood work so well. And I just totally bought him and everything he was trying to accomplish. So, that was one of the smarter, best castings we've seen out of the Flash. And really, I don't have anything else to say about Flash. I love that that last sequence before Crisis gets going, where it hits midnight and the Crisis is very prompt. At midnight, skies turn red, lightning starts up, and everything looks like it's going crazy. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, I actually, it's like because it's funny. Like if you watch all the other CW shows. Well, I watched Supergirl and Batwoman. And so you had to step over my part because I was just about to say The Flash was the only episode with these crisis lead-ins that made any sense with Nash Wells at the monitor's chamber saying, I've been trying to kill you. Let me in. He goes in and vanishes. The rest of them, and like, why would you care if you were watching Arrow and Supergirl? I mean, I'd assume you'd watch all the rest of these shows, mm-hmm. but it's just like the Elseworlds tie-in that they did right before the Elseworlds crossover started. It was like, oh, shoot, what's happening here? 
And this one was just so confined to what was going on in Flash that it didn't have this unifying element to the other ones. Okay. No, I, I'm going dis- to disagree with you because at least with Supergirl, the monitor has been a figure. It's like he actually, it's like him, Nash even just talking about him. It's like, hey, I found, I mean, yeah, of course you've watched everything, but you know who the monitor is in that show. Like Batwoman, have no clue because it, it's just not, it's too big for Batwoman right now where she's dealing with her sister, Alice, all the time. Uh, but in Flash, because Nash is really in that show, I mean, but it was like, oh, okay. Like, he thinks the monitor saved him. Especially, it's like, first time uh, Ralph comes in there and saves him. And then the second time, when there's all these bloodwork zombies about to kill him, again, he kind of gets saved for what looks like a, a basic miracle that, hey, I should be dead again. But you keep saving me right before this door when I know I've been trying to kill you for however many worlds. It's like, okay, that's even better. It's like, all right, let's see what you got. So, Yeah. Okay. So that's it. Flash is good and great. I can't wait to see how it plays out in Crisis. Now for Arrow. Um, <laughs> when Arrow started, I was really excited. I was like, oh, shoot. Anti-matter wave destroying Earth 2. And we've got this really cool, different take on everything we'd, we'd known with uh, Prometheus being uh, Green Arrow and Tommy being Dark Arrow. It was like, wow, I can't wait to see an entire season of Oliver traveling through the multiverse and finding this stuff out. But instead, they decided to focus more on Oliver's relationship with his kids you and I have talked about this offline and just how this would have been so much better had Oliver met up with William and Mia maybe the last two episodes before Crisis because they just lost that momentum by trying to focus on the kids and specifically Mia whining about Oliver not being there, not being a good dad because he sacrificed himself to save the universe, including her. and. Uh, William just being the snarky, funny tech guy. It's just, uh, I wanted more of Oliver and Laurel and Diggle going through these different worlds and realms and finding out different cool things, different takes on the on the multiverse from the world that Oliver knew. And this last episode before Crisis, I don't know. I mean, a lot. I read a lot of people enjoyed it. I didn't like it that much because again, I felt like it was. Too much about Mia and William and less about Oliver winding down and saying his farewells to Team Arrow. Like, he barely got a second to say goodbye to Roy, who lost his arm, and was somehow cool with it because, hey, I'm back with the gang. When And then William stepped in and was just like, hey, we got to go, and here's that thing, and it's just, get out of here, dude. You're going to be in the spinoff, and you're going to have all these episodes to waste time and be funny and play Junior Felicity. Uh, this was this was this was William William. This was Roy and Oliver's time to have that last conversation because I assume that Roy's not going to be in crisis because he's missing an arm. But Argus folk can hook him up with an arm real quick. Yeah. We'll see. But I, I don't know. What did you think? Because I, I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling Wintergreen and Edward Fires being the bad guys. It's like, where's Damien Dark? 
Where's Did Brother you Blood? Damian Dark? Dude, I would have because Damian Dark actually had a purpose in the season of Arrow. He wasn't just some oh, he's a random bad guy. I mean, he was the big bad for season four. Uh, Brother Blood. We could have pulled him out if we couldn't get Slade to come back. I just felt like for so many of these flashbacks or trips through memory lane, we kept teasing, hey, remember Slade? He was really awesome. But then they couldn't pay it off without these watered-down versions. And at least Brother Blood was doing something that was problematic for Oliver beyond just, hey, on no Slade. Which one was Brother Blood? Cause I actually... Season 2. Brother Blood, he was a guy working with Slade, or kind of, you know, he was unleashing the troops and his army to invade, and then Slade kind of suckered him out. It was so well, much better than what we had. Well, okay, we 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 redeemed our the Arrowverse original Slade Wilson. We we always kind of, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was was kind of annoyed with that because it's like. He was cool. We, I mean, he was cool to die. I mean, it was like that Slay Wilson was taken off the board. His sons come, you know, take up the Deathstroke mantle from there. But we decided to go in a different direction. I liked it a little bit because it was like, hey, the first season in in Lianyu was against those two guys. So that's why I liked it a little more because it was like, all right, Fires was, you know, trying to take out, uh, who was it she was trying to take out? Lila, I think, from the airport in, in China. So them trying to get to kind of go back to the callback there was like, oh, okay. Then they brought Yao Fei back, which I was also like, okay, we're going to do, you know, Ghost of uh, Lian Yu. It was like perfect to have him back to me. And it also felt weird to just kind of randomly bring them in because when we'd seen these characters come back or show up again, it was the monitor doing it. And I don't see, I mean, there was no, hey, guys, just wanted, this is a final test. Just wanted to make sure you guys are cool. Well, again, well, if that's the case, we've never really explained how the kids from 2049 are here. So I'm, if I. They if were I, alive. It wasn't like they had to get brought back from the dead to show up. That's just the side effect of the crisis. Hey, everything's gone haywire. Reality is shifting. The crisis, everybody. these guys got brought back. I mean, it's especially if you don't like one thing, I would definitely not like that because it's like I really don't think they were perfectly explained. Like, why the hell did the monitor bring these dudes back? I mean, bring those, bring the kids from 2049. It doesn't. It'd be just to put them in there because it's not not even like the monitors come in there and said, "Hey, I brought your kids because of X, Y, Z." It's like I just need some extra bodies to die in crisis. Like that's he didn't say that. I mean, yeah. it's like these guys haven't proved themselves to be heroes enough to merit the uh, monitor calling up the JV Arrow Squad to the Varsity League. Like, they haven't done that yet because they just started being heroes. So yeah. I kind of I gave them like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm more cool with the throwback to season one. Okay. Well, uh, I, I I agree with you. Like I kind of would have liked Roy to kind of like have his now. Like Diggle and him had a good, a better moment. Like oh, they had there. a great moment. That yeah. was easily the best moment of the episode. Now, so, I'm, what I guess I'm I'm annoyed with is why the hell didn't you bring Thea back for this episode? Like if if we're bringing people, it doesn't make. I mean, we got a helicopter full of folk. Like why not bring Thea and uh, 
miss a bat were, on my We were just transporting something. I mean, it wasn't this thing of, hey, there's going to be guys here to fight. Um, again, then why do we need all three of them? I don't know. I mean, I mean again, it, it's like, if I, it's, I guess my thing is like, if we're going to just bring everybody to all of Arrowverse back to Lena and you, just bring them all back. Like, I don't, I mean, I guess you have the ability to do that, you know, next week, but I'm like, it doesn't hurt to have like I mean Oliver having his two seconds like hey man like I know I said I'm gone but seriously I'm dying here like there's no get backs here like I'm out of here. I think we're in Cynthia, so you know we'll we'll see how all that plays out. But I really wanted I mean I don't think we're gonna have Roy getting his moment. I feel like somebody's gonna pull him away, a la Peter and Tony, uh, in Endgame. So that was his time to get that moment because I feel like Diggle's going to be there, but nobody else. I mean, Diggle's. I mean, you you maybe upgrade Diggle uh, in Crisis, but like Roy, like kind of has. I mean, I guess that would be like, especially because Arrow's continuing after Crisis for an episode. It's like, I think it's like two him, more episodes. Yeah, like let him have like a good moment where Roy, like Roy. I don't know. I mean, you can come. I can come up with a couple of scenarios where Roy has a good moment in crisis with Oliver and not being like, hey, man, if this is your end, man, I got you. Whatever you need. Like, I'll look out for your kids. You know, I'll be the arrow if you need me to. I got you. Like, especially because Diggle's got this other thing he's going to do, you know, flying over the galaxy. You know, it's Green, green, green Lantern. So you I got, I got that. You're going to be disappointed. Man, well, actually, I don't think I am. All right, we'll see. All right, because we we kept him off for too long, catching up on shows that he does not watch. So, Jay King, I asked you guys to start reading the comic book version of Crisis, and um, I've been doing reviews every day on the site because I'm just I love Crisis. It's one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. But um, I know that you are not quite caught up. But I wanted to hear your take on what you've read so far of the Crisis comic. So, take it away, and then we're going to go from where you leave off. Really quickly, um, I've enjoyed this from the beginning. I've enjoyed Crisis uh, from the beginning. It reminds me of a little bit of uh, some of my favorites of all time, The Killing Joke, um, Death of Superman. Um, I forget the, God, which Wolverine? That was like the summer of ninety. Could have been 91, could have been 1990. It was the Wolverine story arc where he was in Africa and they were discovering blood diamonds. And it was Wolverine, basically. It, Storm, it was Storm coming back to Africa. They had discovered some, like, blood diamond thing, and, and Wolverine got involved. Um, after he was instructed not to, but it became a big deal. I can't remember that issue, but that's one of my favorite comics of all time, too. Um, this ranks up there with it. Um, and I'm only about in the chapter two. I'm only into the second act. And Rich layered, uh, as far as where I left off, I'm really trying to remember. I'm not trying to spoil anything for myself. I have to go back because it's all digital <laughs> how I'm reading. I just, I got an ultimate spoiler earlier thanks to my guys, but it's all good. I don't care about spoilers. I'm still going to enjoy it and it's still going to catch me when I get to the point of something major, of the something major that happens, happens. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't read, but please definitely read. Um, you'll enjoy it. It's 
it, to me, it's a throwback to when, I mean, for for whatever it's worth, whether you read comics or, or read fiction uh, or nonfiction, if you're a fan of the written word, um, it's a throwback to when you're, you're, the, you're reading and you're seeing the visuals at the same time, but the visual can't, for me, the visual can't even take place of what's going on in my mind as I'm reading because I'm seeing the things that aren't even being illustrated. I'm seeing the things that aren't being said. I'm seeing the things that aren't being seen by the visuals that are provided. I, I love that because that's how you know a story has you because your mind's working even when they're not giving you anything to go off of. You know, you're just feed, you're just vibing off of what you're reading and the story is so engulfing that you're you're, you're painting a picture without the picture being painted for you. That's that that takes some doing. That that that's well crafted work. So kudos to everybody involved, and I, I just can't wait to pick it back up. I know I got a lot of work to do between now and when I start my Christmas vacay, which is in two weeks. <laughs> so by the 19th, I am going to be fully engulfed and fully engaged in, in, in finishing up crisis. And um, I got to make my way out to third eye. And um, there's a couple of things I saw I need to pick up and want to pick up for myself. And I think Jeff and the fellas, we, we definitely should uh, have like a recommendation, not like a, a, a whack book club type deal, but comics you definitely should be reading. Not whack right. novels you definitely should be reading. I think that's something we should pick up. We should, we should do that soon. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so my, my deal with Crisis, and I'll make sure not to say anything since you are in a cone of semi-spoiler-free. Um, it's just the layers, like you said. Marv Wolfman, who wrote it, and George Perez drew it, they're the creative team behind New Teen Titans, which was just a master book at that point in time for DC. And they don't worry about, oh, it's too many characters. It's so confusing. They lay it out where it's like, oh, Wow. Okay, this is happening. Oh, who's this? Oh man. And, and you're cool. interested in everyone involved. There's no yeah. throwaways. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just had to. I had to say that. Oh yeah. It's like everybody's just like, oh, this guy's interesting. Like right around the same time, DC was putting out the Who's Who, which is basically our encyclopedia of all their characters. And seeing those guys in Crisis made it even more fun because you saw how fringe some of these characters were, but they even made it into crisis. Jeff, I'm sorry. One, yeah. one more time I got to interrupt you because I love this book so far. I love this series so far. And it, it's just stirring all these kind of questions within me. Why haven't these men been involved in crafting the next DC film or creating the next DC film universe? Because it seems like it's only... It's only natural. It only makes sense. But you know what's interesting is that Marv Wolfman is a story consultant for the CW version of Crisis, which I just read. So I'm very excited about that because um, I think Crisis is the kind of thing over the course of more or less five hours. You can tell that story and do it justice if you follow the key points. and and do like some really light covering of some of the smaller elements to it just to get the scope of it. And, but him working on it is a good sign and probably a better sign than 
the movie thing because we're definitely going to talk about some some movie uh, stuff in our next segment because I I can't believe some of the things that I'm reading about with DC's planning with their movie universe. But Crisis is the kind of story that if you haven't read it, you're still kind of immediately drawn to what's happening. It's kind of like, oh, wow. It's the ultimate good versus evil story in DC because they established a bad guy who is a horrible, horrible bad guy. Mean, bad guy in the, in the yeah. best sense of the word there's no redeeming he, it dude <laughs> there's none and he's he is just relentless he's always trying to get his goal accomplished he he can take an l and he's just like whatever i'm gonna come back with another plan and that doesn't work oh i got another plan i mean the dude has plan z squared because he yeah. is on it this dude's been around for like millions of years he's like no i i, I know I'm, i've been playing this like yeah I got like I'm using one person. I got like five backups ready. Like I'm not worried. It's like, yeah, okay. This is this little minor nuisance has stopped me. I, I'm okay. Yeah, and I think Crisis has the best presentations of heroic sacrifice and and standing up against the odds that I've read in a comic. Um, because you like feel when certain characters get taken out, where it's like, man. Jeez, that's rough. And Crisis starts off with so much death and destruction for you ultimately to start caring about these characters when they get taken off the board. It really means a lot. And I that is the one thing that I'm most curious to see how they can accomplish that with this Arrowverse version. Well, so man. what do you think long form of what you read so far, Jason? Well, just going by, the, like we were talk, talking about, like the first issue when you're seeing the crime syndicate die and like, it's, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like this isn't going to be a typical story where not, death is not a part of this. Death is one of the major components of this story. And just going by, and then you each, like each episode you're going to care about, it, every episode you read, you're going to read about somebody you had no knowledge of unless you're born in the 1930s and somehow went to sleep in hibernation and then magically picked up this book in 1986 or 80, uh, 88 you were gonna be you were gonna look know a lot of heroes you're like oh okay the freedom fighters oh from earth x oh, okay oh there's some there's a lot of heroes on this thing oh okay wow i really do feel their what happens to them and then if they lose a person you're like damn man i, I started to care about that that guy so each episode that does that, I mean, each issue, it, it just, and, and then unfortunately, Javon, it's going to ramp up. <laughs> it's like, you're going to live like, it's like you lose one, but then you lose a world, and then you lose a world to somebody you care about, and then you mm-hmm. lose start major characters that you, I mean, especially if you came in in the 80s, I think you, you said it in your last review, Jeff, on LawlessMovieTalk.com. But you, there's going to, I mean, it's like the sacrifices that are made, it's like the Silver Age is done, but you were like, wow, like that's a way to show heroic sacrifices. And I, I know kind of like some some of us, I mean, like some folks have been talking about like the Mr. Rogers movies. It's like good storytelling does not matter about graphics, scenery, imagery. No. It literally is like good storytelling. Like, if you plopped a kid in front of this crisis, 
they wouldn't have to know. All they would have to know is like Superman, Bat- like say they just knew the current day DC offering of characters. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know anybody else. But then you put them in that. They don't need to know anything else after that. They will literally be like, I would love to read stories about these characters. Jason, because- I'll tell you something funny about that. Not to cut you off, sorry. Go ahead. But when we're talking about great storytelling, I showed my kids 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. And by the end of Act 1, I mean the original 12 Angry Men. It's not like there's a, a modern 12 there's Angry no Men produced by uh, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. There's no Michael Bay director. Can you imagine the long, sweeping, oh, circular shot of the guy, God. of the jury? If Michael Bay style and everybody's slow-mo looking up, that would be awesome. Can you imagine the uh, all-American uh, 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 hot girl next door that would be somehow woven into the story for no good reason? Slow she'd motion. Have to, she'd, she'd have to be the, she'd be the legal clerk. assistant yes, helping. <laughs> like, you can do it as I push my chest out as far as possible. Well, I'm working on a, uh, a 69 Corvette or Damn. something. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Stupid. And she's and she's got her pen in her mouth in a seductive way. Where it's like, <laughs> what's happening here? Uh, well, you're supposed to be in a jury. What, what's going on? Here? I know well, you're guilty of being hot. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, 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 Twelve Angry Men. We watched man the original Gregory Peck just sitting there, and they were, and they were just involved, enamored with the story. They couldn't take their eyes away from. And it's not because there was any explosions, any cool special effects, any 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 anything to that degree. It was just a, it was marvelous storytelling, and the acting. You know, you can still tell these stories, and I don't think that's going to change ever. If you tell a good enough story, that's never going to change. We're never going to stop being entertained by when it comes to this form of media, our act, whether it's a movie or television. Great acting, great storytelling supersedes all. It trumps all. I hate to use the word trump, especially today. But it you just know, it beats all. It really does. You know, I think one of my biggest why we were always complaining about uh guy Martin Scorsese saying like, you know, Marvel movies aren't cinema is because it was like his attack was it was like, Oh, you guys are just a bunch of man childs. It's like, no, we actually have understand these characters. We've actually grown to understand what these characters are. They're not narcissistic assholes these guys mm-hmm. are actually you know they're fully fleshed out now like they're exactly. they, and that has been the long form storytelling of people. 10 years it's they're like people like they're if you put them take away all these superpowers and put them in a war one one flick it's the same thing dude you look at how complex and layered captain america is or tony stark's character are from 2000 what eight <laughs> Mm-hmm. From 2008 to 2000, I'm not even going to say in game. From 2008 to 2016, and you've seen the evolution of a man. Unlike, let's say, a, 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 a character like, I don't know, uh, Nikki from Casino, where when he got beaten to death by his former uh, cohort, uh, 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 Vin- what's my man, Frank Vincent in the cornfield, him and his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't even bat an eyelash because you knew it was coming. This guy's a jerk off, and he mm. deserved it. It was long, it was long awaited. And I'm not just bashing, I'm not bashing uh, uh, Martin Scorsese, but it seems to me the old guard of cinema, and when I say the old guard of cinema, I mean our new old guard of cinema, they, they still don't respect 
Marvel, the Marvel Universe, uh, 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 comic book movies, etc., because it's not what they're used to when it comes to the media film. And it's like, look, I'm guilty of the same thing. Like, I, I found myself being guilty of something recently, guys. I heard somebody, like right now, Jodeci is the thing to sample. Yeah, I know what you're talking and, about. Yeah, yeah, and it, there's like three more, Jace. There's Come oh. and Talk to Me. There's uh, Get On, somebody sample Get On Up, somebody sample uh, um, it's Freaking not Feening. You recently. Yeah, it's Freaking there's You. Yeah, it's Feening. Feening is oh. the other one. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, J- Jodeci is the thing to sample right now, dude. Oh. They're the new Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. But here's the thing. I had to step off of my old man's soapbox because I had to remember a certain thing. In the in the 90s, when we were coming up, 80s, we were, 90s, hey, everybody sampled everybody. Everything from the 70s. 70s to the 80s. Remember mm-hmm. the Diddy the Diddy era era. Some of my mm-hmm. favorite songs. Big hits from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's that's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite tracks from that time, like Jay Z's "Imaginary Players," was a Renee and Angela sample of "Imaginary Playmates." that came out what maybe less than 10 years prior 85 86 something like that so with that said i can't knock these kids they're only doing what we did right the thing about it is i had to remember don't wear the hat of the old man that told you what you like sucks i looked at it this way i'm not gonna like everything you like because it's it's, to me a lot of things are genre specific where when I, was, I, I mean, my thing, but I guess my mm-hmm. thing is like somebody from the 1930s mm-hmm. would not say casino is cinema. They're like, it uses no, too crap. many curse words. It's, yeah, it's violent. It's, it's just garbage. I mean, that's, that's what they'd be like. Where's the, like you were saying, 12 angry men didn't need any of that. Mm-mm. Like you, you had to do sensationalize. You had drug use. This is just all crap. And it's mm-hmm. like, and that's why you sound like the old man. It's just like, we, for, I mean, we can. I can watch Lawrence of Arabia, and literally be like, "Yo, that was a great movie." I could. I actually own. I literally have Casablanca on Blu-ray, like mm-hmm. because it is a great movie. It's a great movie. But I mean, because it's like you look at the layer of the story. It's like, mm-hmm. but if you say you once you close yourself out from like, "Hey, I don't like the layers of the story," then you mm-hmm. sound like. But that's why, like, for Crisis, it's like you look at that story. You're just like, you don't need to know the characters. You start caring about the characters as you read and then when each one when any of them's taken off the board it's like oh shoot man well you that know James, i feel like this too some things in any form of media are timeless 12 angry men war of the worlds uh, uh uh um songs in the key of life um uh uh, uh what's my favorite uh charlie parker uh god pair um springtime in paris these are timeless pieces of work right where some pieces of work are defined by the era in which they 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 they're released right mm-hmm. there's some things that are timeless there's some things that reflect the, the the mood and culture of the period and unfortunately a lot of things are reflective of the period so they don't age well I, they, they, they're just some things that it doesn't matter where we release them, man. They, they'll they'll hold up in any era, mm-hmm. and this is one of those piece of works. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, 
so there's some interesting things happening in the DC Warner Brothers film universe. Um, there is a contingent that's kind of growing by the day, it seems, uh, demanding and hoping for the release of the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Have you seen the director's cut of Batman vs Superman? You kind of feel like, yeah, let's get that out ASAP because mm-hmm. it's such a different movie. You get it. <laughs> yeah, like, I understand completely. Um, Henry Cavell has not been on that whole bandwagon. I mean, we've seen Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ray Fisher, Zack Snyder himself going, hey, release it. You know, putting up the hashtags, release the Snyder cut. And Warner Brothers is basically like, nope. Nope, we're not doing it. We don't care. We're not releasing it. We don't want y'all to think that, hey, you guys should have put this version out because it looks stupid for our version that we put in theaters for Batman vs. Superman. We're not going to do but that. The new cut is like, it's like an extra half hour at least. It's like, especially after watching Batman Superman, you're like, you guys cut out the story to put out the RB movie. Do you want to say, if you gave me the choice to say in the original, the, the one that was in TV on, on, on cinema is crap compared to the extended edition. It's, it is. I don't watch it anymore. It's sad I can't watch the extended edition on 3D. But if even if it was a darker story and the Zack Snyder cut, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't throw that away as like it's garbage because I'm, I'm one of them folks. I like Watchmen. I like the extended edition of Watchmen. So maybe it's not a bad idea. It's like instead of waiting 10 years to release the cut, especially if they don't know what they're doing with the DC universe. It's like, why not release the dang on thing? And if audience, I mean, even do it like a limited release, maybe for a month in theaters and see what the audience reception is. If that is the case, maybe you move forward in that. I mean, cause you still have the good direction of the individual movies, but maybe you move forward and the other one, in the, in the Justice League, more in the Zack Snyder model. So, and another thing that's happened is Henry Cavell is kind of staying on the sidelines because he's stated he's not done being Superman. He wants to be back. But apparently the higher-ups in Warner Brothers don't have a clue on how to make Superman relevant to modern audiences. Hey, Jeff, have they gone to a... Have they looked at any Rebirth storylines? <laughs> Because that's the only way you can say is like you don't know how to do this. It's like there was. I mean, just I mean, just just ask the dag on kid. What would you want to see in Superman? It's like you know you most kids can say I know what Superman's powers are. What would you like to see in a Superman story? Well, because it's not he's born. It's what would you like to see in the story? Well, you know, I think also to that end, they've been so eager to catch up to what Marvel's done, and so. Not just eager to catch up to Marvel, but also for 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 going all common sense and just taking a step back and saying we don't have to be Marvel. We can take our own road and tell our own stories and have the people who have been telling our stories in in the written form tell these stories and adapt them to the visual. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've in, in, in their effort to chase Marvel success, they've ignored a roadmap or creating a roadmap to the DC success. You don't have to be Marvel. You just don't. 
Marvel is Marvel, and they started out <clears throat> with the, they started out with what they had. They re, re they 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 reimaged what they were doing, and they got the right people involved. And the same thing applies. It's like when you're trying to build a a a a, a, a sports franchise, a sports team, mm-hmm. any. You're not going to be the Golden State Warriors if you're the rebuilding Cleveland Cavaliers or the Detroit Pistons or the New York Knicks. You can't chase their roadmap to success. You have to figure out who first you're going to be, what first you're going to be, and where you're going to start. The start to me is not just the key player. It's the people behind the scenes. The key player is one thing. You can have a key player, but if you're using them wrong or these mismanaged be it he's not being coached or he's, or he's not or he or she is not being uh coached he or she is not uh uh uh, uh being uh placed in a position where the right people are, are around him, he or she then it's all doomed to failure you could have elena della don you can have Giannis Antetokounmpo, but if we got a bunch of idiots managing the situation around this person it's going to fail you have to start at the ground level. You got to build something first. You got to get the right people building what you're creating. And I don't think DC has done that. Well, and okay. I don't think they ever started to do that. Let me, let me let me say this: If you start DC casting out, and you say our first our Superman is Henry Cable, you're like, yeah, okay. We 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 got we got a guy we believe in is Superman, and most people will be like, hey, yeah, that looks like Superman. We're good. Now all you need is a story with. Okay, make it make three film story art. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, you want him. You probably have him at least for three movies. Don't make a movie where he dies because it's like, yes, the death of Superman was a great story to tell on comic books, but you can't tell that story until you have gotten people's behind him. Other than yeah, he looks the part, but mm-hmm. what is the story behind? But see, Jace, that's the point behind what I said. Mm-hmm. When you don't have all those people involved, you're going to have the idiot that says, well, let's kill them off within the first two movies. Yeah. <laughs> and let's like, that was a great story. Because yeah. nobody, I mean, at that point, if Superman had done stuff behind the scene that was heroic, but we didn't see him be heroic. I mean, it was like, yeah, he saved his sort of Kryptonians, but what does he do? I mean, for the next year, it's like, we don't see him doing anything. Like we didn't see him stopping the other bad guy or a couple. No, like, we didn't like, see anything of that. We saw one movie where Superman was kind of finding himself and figuring out who he was. Let his dad die. Yeah, let his dad die, and then had to fight the general. Kill his eye. Yeah, yeah, that was also. Then, cr- I mean, yeah. and then when we got back, he was on trial for. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. okay, well, what happened? <laughs> like, what happened? I mean, well, some of no, some of that gets explained. In the extended edition of Batman Superman, because Dixon didn't think you needed to actually understand that. But context, what's context? Oh, dude, we just want action. We, we, need just, want see, we just want to see Doomsday blowing up stuff. Not necessary. We need to have the last act of this movie be Doomsday that we introduced in the last act of this but, movie. Just and putting the I mean, world. Lex Luthor literally could have what he did in the actual edition of the movie. You could have literally ended the movie with him just going to jail for what he did there, and that would have been it. And then you could have started the next movie of what Lex Luthor led. You know, he he started Doomsday or some crap. Like you could have easily done that, but they were like, "No, nah, we need to kill him off." It's like we need to see him be. And, may, and maybe I'm wrong here. I think uh, maybe it's a mixed bag. Some people may like 
uh, Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of Lex Luthor, but I thought him as weird Zuckerberg just, it, it didn't work for me. I don't think anybody, I don't think it really worked for anybody. I mean, but it was like when Jesse was cast, it was like, oh, he looks like, I mean, he's a ball-headed dude, but he's got psycho eyes. But I think how Chief said, it's like, this isn't a dude that if you put him in a power suit, I buy him going toe-to-toe with like, I mean, Superman. It's no, like, no, I mean, no. that's, that's, I mean, we needed kind of like Lex Luthor versus Superman, not him. I mean, like we, we, I mean, by introducing Batman in the super, I mean, his super suit is like, well, y'all just killed the idea of Lex in the super suit. Like, why wouldn't we have that battle first? It's like, we bet, we didn't even mention Lex Luthor in the first movie. Like, so we're magically going to introduce him as like a side player. Yeah. But I, I think DC just needs, I mean, especially like when they're talking about, I mean, like the, there was actually momentum. Like, I think there was actually, it was the release of Snyder Cut was actually trending on Twitter. It's like, guys, we can't, we either got to let it happen or kill it completely. Like, hey, we're not going to release that. But we also have three other DC movies in the pipeline that are actually what you guys want to see. Why didn't we get bald Joel Edgerton as Lex Luthor? Because he was. <sighs> well, I mean, we may get it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but he, I mean, he was already a, a ocean master. No, no, that's Patrick uh, Wilson. Oh, he's talking about Uncle Owen. Yeah, but he would be good too. I don't know. I feel like there are so many people that we would have cast for Lex Luthor instead of Jesse. Honestly. After watching the Ultimate Edition, I didn't dislike him as much as I did based off the theatrical version. Oh, and I yeah. liked his return in Justice League, where he wasn't, I don't know, as weird as he was acting earlier. And it was like, yeah, okay, put this lead together, do the thing. And then we just never get the thing. Yeah. yeah I, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right, Javon. Joel Egerton would have worked as a, he, he looked like he was around the same age as him. So he would mm-hmm. also, that would have also helped, like, I am smarter than this bastard. Like, and you guys want to marry him the savior. I've been doing all this for Metropolis, and now you want to bestow him the hero that saves everything? Yeah. Well, Joel Edgerton has two things for him. He could be that kind of ruthless, conniving, um, narcissistic, you know, he, he can be all of those things. And he has a bastard face. Oh, man. You, if you saw him in Great Gatsby, it was like, yeah. Several times. You need an actor to play that kind of role. You need somebody who has chronic bastard face. Mm-hmm. Like another guy who has bastard face is the guy from um I see him in everything, but the, the, the most recent standout thing I saw, he was the bad guy in um fish porn. What was that? Um Michael Shannon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Shannon. We, he was odd. I'm sorry. He was odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was odd, but yeah, you can't just resurrect him. And now you're, 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 you're now Luther. playing the role of Lex Luthor. It's General Zod. <laughs> but tell me, Michael Shannon doesn't have bastard face. And Michael Shannon, he's got, he's got way too crazy. Like I, I don't trust it. being in the room with this dude. He's got crazy eyes. I love that. I love yeah. that because that's the guy that can go from zero to a hundred really quick. I, I I love guys with that bastard face when they're playing the bad guy because you believe them. 
Jesse Eisenberg, I didn't believe because you know what I believe? That I would see him in the lunchroom and slap him in the back of the head and spill his chocolate milk in his lap and take his cookie. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Yeah. Joel Edgerton with the bald head and the crazy eyes, I'm going to leave him alone. Yeah, he would get. He would be like the dude who gets in your face and like that intense. Like, did you really think you were gonna get get away with that? Like, he might be the dude that slams his own head against the door to see himself bleed before he engages the fight with you. Yeah, his, his crazy is like okay, uh, all right, maybe maybe I jumped out there a little bit. Yeah, maybe I, I, I like how he just called him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's a good actor. Man. Yeah, I know. He's he's good in everything I've seen him. Yeah. So, all right. He was good as Uncle Owen. Let's keep it rolling here. Uh, today we got the official reveal of the new James Bond film, the 25th film, No Time to Die. Uh, I know Spectre really was divisive among the James Bond fan base. I thought it was a throwback to the older films with all the gadgets. Not so much the Daniel Craig version of Bond, but I, I liked it. I don't necessarily like that final act, but the rest was good. This trailer looked really good. Uh, Rami, Malek, or Rami Malek is going to be the bad guy. And he's got that cool, iconic Bond villain look. He's got that cool, creepy mask going. Lashana Lynch is in there, and she's the new 007. And it looks great. I'm excited about this movie. I was always like, yeah, okay. I was reading on Twitter earlier, and it was posted that since the last Bond film, we've had all of the Disney Star Wars universe of films come out, which seems wrong, but I guess actually is the case. That's kind of crazy to me, don't you think? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm going to... I, I the trailer that looked like it had a, I mean like this is something I was really impressed with by the trailer. It actually had a story in the trailer. It's like oh I understand what I'm about to watch. I appreciate that, especially talking about another movie we're going to talk about probably later on. But it looked like oh okay, this is what James been up to. Okay cool all right. Oh this is what you know the new double O's doing. Okay got it. Um, but I guess um, the one thing is. Daniel Craig's a lot older than his love interest. And it was like, this was like, after watching him, like, this is where, um, gosh, Monica, what is her name? The one who was actually Inspector? Uh, oh, gosh. The one from Matrix. Uh, yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. Monica Belushi. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like, she she looks like a very appropriate, age-appropriate love interest for him. Like, yeah, I believe that is your love interest. The girl who's playing his is like, bruh. Everyone's gonna ask, like, is that your daddy? It's like, like, what's your father doing here, man? I'm trying to holla, holla, holla. Come on, <laughs> holla. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully, maybe it seems like they're gonna break him up because, yeah, it's it's a huge discrepancy. Yeah. It's like that Denise Richards, Pierce Brosnan thing. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that still makes me laugh. Hey, again. Denise Richardson was a nuclear physicist. <laughs> Denise Richardson looked like she had just finished junior varsity uh, palm squad <laughs> at Tom Landry Middle School. <laughs> Tom Landry. 
like, dude, there's no way. The only, and that's the knock. Anybody listening, the knock is because she looked like she was a toddler compared to uh, yeah. uh, uh, Remington Steele over there. Yeah. He, just, he was an old man. I'm like, sorry. A bit, yeah, it was just like, unless she says she admitted, it's like, you know, I got a dad complex. Like, yeah, no, nah, he, he could be as heroic as you want. She's like, thanks, dude. You know what's hilarious, though? That is not the most incredible thing about her casting. The fact that she was playing a nuclear physicist. <laughs> that in itself. That was, I mean, I, as I always say, man, you switch that casting around, it would actually work a whole lot better. I mean, cause it's like, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, her is the female temptress. Yeah, I buy that. Holy like I'm the I'm the wealthy you know the daughter of a billionaire you know, billionaire industrialist around yeah exactly yeah, totally like you know little survivors you know thing Electra. Stockholm syndrome totally right. got it oh man so yeah that that was interesting uh, next up Black Widow trailer what you guys think about this one Scarlett Johansson's back in this prequel of the early days of the eventual Avenger. Ooh. Five years too late. <laughs> I looked at that trailer. I'm like, why couldn't y'all have done this before Wonder Woman? Like, there's no excuse. Like, I mean, we're gonna have William Hurt in this thing, and y'all didn't think y'all did it. Y'all, y'all didn't think y'all had the balls to put this out. There's nothing reason. I mean, after she's dead, like, come on. Shavon, what you take, man? More the same. I. This would have been a jam like in 2015, but we, we're like four years past it. And I'll be honest with you, the way Black Widow was sacrificed in, in Endgame doesn't make me want to clamor to see what her backstory is. I don't care anymore. I never, <laughs> exactly. like, I never, I never thought much. Like, well, we know how this ends. You're going to be at the bottom of the crater. Like looking up like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be fodder for the Soul Stone. Thanks, guys. Yeah, like I don't know. I had a vision of me falling. <laughs> and also, why? It's funny, like how her sister in it has a Russian accent, and she's got a perfect. Like, are you gonna switch so back to like you know? Her entire family has a Russian accent. Yeah, her entire family has a Russian accent, and she sounds like she's from I don't know, uh, maybe Iowa somewhere. <laughs> yeah, don't care. Don't care. Right now, There's again, nothing anybody gonna, gonna go do. see it? Yes, but it's like, come on, guys. Yeah, we're gonna so. go see this movie, but I can almost guarantee you that somebody's gonna say I could have went to Top Golf for this two hours, or I could have, you know, gone and got a, a massage, gone a massage envy. I could have did anything else. I mean, I mean, Marvel. The thing is, Marvel hasn't made a bad movie, but it was. Just, it's just like, gosh, you, it's like for everybody who would want to see a Black Widow movie before she died, because that would make you feel even more. Like, oh man, I now know her story, man. What's her sister gonna be like, man? Now that she's gone, oh man, is is Taskmaster gonna kill her? Oh man, is you know the red dude gonna come back and try and ride for her? I mean, no, we don't know that because they're yeah. all dead. It's like the timing is just a little bit too late. <laughs> if this was before Infinity War, where it's like she's hanging out on the lamb uh, with Cap and Falcon, and then she starts flashing back to her life. Before, yeah, because she says like I didn't have a family before you guys, yeah. but then you see this like family in Russia, 
you know, where she obviously hasn't been for 20 years because she has no discernible accent. I mean, like, yeah, that would make a whole lot of sense. Now it's, there's other black widows and yeah, we're going to replace her. Okay, fine. All right, so that that's everything for this one. But now it's that magical time of the week. Fellas, who are your nominees for Dummies of the Week? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> You're Jace? overwhelmed with it? All right, Jace, what you got? Jace, you just go mute? What's up? I didn't go mute. I'm sorry. Okay. I had to blow my nose. Gotcha. Move over. I gotta blow my nose. What did you ask, Jeffrey? Dummy of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to blow by my nose. Way, by the way, listeners, a uh, 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 customized J. King t-shirt for anybody who can uh, cite that reference that Jason just named after he blew his nose. <laughs> Bam! Customized shirts. Okay, Jace, what you All got? Right. Okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna go with my. Uh, I'm gonna go with my dummy of the week is the ad company. I'm sorry, the uh, Soul Cycle Company Peloton. <laughs> because during during right before uh, Thanksgiving, they came out with a commercial where a guy is giving his uh, wife the gift of Peloton a bike where she can, you know, get in shape and work out and all this stuff. Now, collectively, every man is like, I might want my wife to work out more. She might even ask me, hey, baby, can you, you know, give me some advice on how to lose some weight, get in shape? And we know you can do that. But when you give the gift of exercise equipment, how does this you not know- end in an argument? <laughs> it's not, oh, thank you, baby. It's like, oh, it's, uh, you really think I'm that bad? You need to actually give me a gift. You need because I'm not willing to go to Soul Cycle and actually work out. You have to put something in the house and actually make sure. Oh, there is what? no man that does thinks he's just like, oh, this is gonna end well for me. What <laughs> are you trying to say? <laughs> exactly yeah. that tone too. <laughs> there is never a time where that's gonna be like, oh, this is so nice. It's like. Terry, every man knows, like, they they could just, their wife would be the most loving and understanding person. But you do that, it is, you are in for at least a two-hour conversation. And it's not going to go well for you. No. So it's the nice. idea that, that you could actually do this in a commercial and this guy is not just like, man, I remember what my bed was like, but this couch is pretty comfy. <laughs> like. Nah, man, I'm just not going to ever be that one who jumps out like that. And for them to try and release that right before Christmas, yeah, I'm going to say that's a dummy of the week. That is a fine choice. Um, My nominee is... uh, (laughs) Gosh. I'm trying to to say this in a way that it's not just lumping entire demographic because that's clearly not the right way to go about it. I think Um, I know where we're going here. Okay. So I was reading this article, and it's about you know the new Star Wars film, and the Star Wars fan community lashed onto the to the notion of a romantic connection between Finn and Poe almost immediately after the premiere of Star Wars: The Force Awakens in 2015, shipping the characters with hashtags like Finn Poe and Storm Pilot. All right, so 
I'm gonna stop there for a moment. I didn't think that whatsoever. I thought, hey, these guys are buddies. I want to fight the Empire. They were in like two scenes together for the entire movie. So I definitely didn't get any vibe of, oh man, these two should be together. Second, I hate the notion that we just ship guys who are friendly with each other all of a sudden as if that's the new thing. They do that with Lena and Kara on Supergirl. Like, they should be together because they're friends. No, 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 and no. This is just idiotic, this thinking of we should put everybody together just because they uh, share moments. You know what they're, those people are called? Friends. We don't have to just decide, oh, let's make everybody uh, in any popular medium together. I mean, they were doing that with Bucky and Cap to some extent, too. Not necessary. Okay, I mean, diversity is great. Everybody should see themselves represented on the big screen. But let's just not just start randomly throwing people together just because we want to ship them. Um, and that that's not my dummy of the week. I just think that was stupid to say the Star Wars fan community because I don't feel like that was the case. Half of the Star Wars Star fan Wars community, community, yeah, half of the Star Wars fan community was apparently outraged that there was a black character holding a lightsaber and was a stormtrooper. So I don't know if that speaks for the Star Wars fan community. I think maybe they should say the Star Wars LGBT community, if there was a demographic that was shipping Finn and Poe. But my dummy of the week here comes from this next statement. Speaking with Variety, the Rise of Skywalker press junket on Tuesday. Oscar Isaac, who played uh, Poe, expressed regret that the natural chemistry between Poe and Finn in The Force Awakens was not explored in an overtly romantic way in Star Wars The Last Jedi. So, my dummy of the week is this ridiculous notion, expectation, that a guy like Oscar Isaac has to go on the press circuit and say this pandering statement, oh yeah, they should have been together. It's too bad that that wasn't something that happened. What kind of ridiculous expectation is this that... Actors have to go, yeah, that would have been cool to see for fear that 10 or 15 blogs aren't going to go. Oscar Isaac's homophobic because he doesn't think that Finn and Poe should be together. It's just, I can't with this mentality, this mindset of we want it, it should happen, and if you don't want it, you are a bigot. I just, I think that's so stupid. Am I wrong, fellas? No. No. You're not because it's beyond stupid. And guess what? This is what happens when you force an agenda down the throats of the sheep minded people, because then they start believing, well, this is right. Right. Okay. I mean, I don't want to be I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be ostracized by everyone because I don't think like everyone else thinks. Right. 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 No, we don't have to force our beliefs or the our lifestyles down people's throats. It's okay if someone's not gay. It's okay if they're not transgender, quasi-gender, gender fluid. Even Billy B. Williams, who's like 138 years old, came <laughs> out this week. And no, said, no, 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 no. I'm not. I tried to send you this article because literally, okay. like, he literally said, what the hell are y'all talking gender fluid? Like, I'm literally like saying, like, hey, everybody, you know, you look at your feminine side, you know, I ain't got to be, you know, chauvinistic male all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Y'all misquoted me. Like, what the shit was that? I wasn't just, saying this bullshit. Just, just having a perspective as a human being who's it's lived like, for a right. number of years yeah. is I mean, comfortable like, with himself. 
You're telling the seven-year-old man he's genderful. He's like, I don't even know what this term means. I don't even know what that means because you dumbasses made it up to justify the way you live. Look, I'm not opposed to anyone's lifestyle. It's just we've gotten to a point of absolute absurdity. It's absolute absurdity. So we're just making things up as we go along. There are no more rules. And I know everybody, no one likes rules anymore. No one likes the bar anymore. So we just put the bar on the ground or in the sub-basement to let everything go, or everything fly. It's like, look, <clears throat> we're, we're, we're bending the rules and changing everything and, 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 and shaming everything because we want the world to accept who we are, what we are, what we do. And it's like, look, I don't care what you do. I don't care. It's just I don't want to be browbeaten by it, and I don't want to be felt to be a, a bigot or a homophobe or whatever phobe, quasi trans L G F H M I P hashtag uh, 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 ampersand whatever phobe because I I don't readily throw my um, uh, get wit support behind everything. It's just, no, I like to keep things in perspective. And I believe, look, it's your right to be whoever you are. Just don't force us to love everything. I have rights too, okay? I have rights too. I don't have to like and appreciate everything. I can have a varying opinion. And it's not that my varying opinion is that you shouldn't be who you are. It's just, I don't think you should force me you should force the public to believe or, or, or even say, yeah, that's the way it should be. Well, maybe that's not how the writers wrote it. You ever yeah, think I mean, about like, that? I think you said it right because it's like, say, I mean, because if he had said, no, nah, I mean, it's like, oh, you guys, you know, you guys had great chemistry. You're like, yeah, we acted in the scene together. We wanted to actually like we were buddies that randomly could trust each other. That doesn't equal gay. It was just yeah. like, that was like, yeah, I mean, I'm literally, this dude is literally saving me because he's trying to bail out uh, out of, you know, this murderous force, first order. It's like, <laughs> no, man, look, oh, look, and I don't see that as, I mean, I guess my thing is like, who saw that as romantic other than people who wanted to see it as that way? And like, you know, Jace, it's not like somebody came along and modernized Torch Song Trilogy and, and made all the characters straight, right? <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about, okay? This is not the way it was written, so let's not make more of it than it is, and let's not force an agendas down the throats of the movie going public or the people. Let's just let things be the way they are. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. Stories are told for everybody I nowadays. Because it would have been easy. It's like that, that wasn't the role of the character. But, I mean, like, and I think how you said it is like, Oh, there would have been like blog posts like, oh gosh, she's phobic. It's like, absolutely. Because, that would, because, I mean, because it's like, oh, you said, oh, it was, it looked like it was romantic. Like, where did you see romance? I mean, it's like, because it's like, if he had said, hey, where did you see romance? I thought we were just, you know, some dudes trying to get off a spaceship. Like, yeah. I didn't see romance there. Like, it would I mean, have been I like saw... a moment on Brokeback with Innocent, uh, what's my man's name? They were in the tent and he kissed him and he kind of, you know, wigged out and pushed him and punched him. No, it wasn't that. This is not the way the story was written, okay? I mean, like, Relax. I mean, if you say, hey, yeah. I thought that, that story to... needs a whole lot more work <laughs> before <laughs> we start trying to figure out who's into each other. How about we figure out what the heck the First Order's doing? But, Thank I mean, you. Because <laughs> so, that, that, would, that would be a deeper question. Like, do you know who the First Order is? 
Yeah. Uh, dude, they were just written like that, man. Because, I mean, like, that's the more relevant question. Hey, man, what, what is the first order? What are they doing? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Pause. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sorry. That was one of the list of unapproved questions, and I'm out of here. Exactly. <laughs> Pull a Joaquin Phoenix. I'm out of here. <sighs> anyway, so that was my thing. I, I just, I, I can't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like this whole thing of people having to protect themselves from getting smeared with a label that's not appropriate because oh. they don't go along with what you like. Well, here, here's the here's the problem. I mean, as much as I mean, we do this podcast and we have our opinions. We have an audience that listens to us, and it just seems right like, until like, this episode. Uh, yeah, we've, we've lost. <laughs> we've, we've already lost our female audience like you know, ten episodes ago. But this is it's, it's just one of those situations. Where it's like we're we're expressing an opinion, but we're not saying your opinion has to be wrong. We're not saying you know. I mean, we're just saying like yo, like that wasn't how it was written. Like we can say, hey, that would have been cool if it was written that way. But we don't say, oh man, we were, why didn't y'all do that? It's like yeah, but, and you know, I miss when people were adults. I, I miss I miss when adults were adults, and I, I miss when. We weren't offended by everything. I miss when we didn't, as a society, go looking for offense. Because when you go looking for something, you'll find it any way you want. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I miss when everything was taken with a degree of damn perspective. And, and instead of being reactionary. Yeah. It's like, I mean, just like you were saying like a couple of weeks ago, like in comedy, it's like if something in comedy offended you, you just didn't laugh. You went to the next joke. I mean, he wasn't like, oh, gosh, I must leave this place. Oh, my God. He said this one joke that is offending me. I must leave. He's, he is now brandished to say, we must cancel this person. It's like, okay, yeah. is he going to say the next thing funny? Because it is a joke. It's literally like, he's not saying, I hate all these people. If he says, like, I have hate and malice in my heart, okay, yeah, this is, you know, that's, that's a walkout. Chase, but, that's what the last 25 to 30 years of our culture in America has done to us. We are uber sensitive hypersensitive we are triggered i hate to use that word but we're triggered by everything seriously, nobody I need, I need i need you to get out of government man because i wouldn't even use that term like come on no seriously i mean it's a it's a term <laughs> dude we're having a holiday party in my office you said the first word holiday three... party. <laughs> thank you first <laughs> word, holiday party because it can't be anything denominational no we can't cover those bases we have to make this very vague because you never know somebody may be offended by the words christmas festivus or hanukkah right right so we have to stay away just say very bland very beige holiday party we oh, can't what? use the can colors a, red green clean? or white can you have a tree <laughs> no trees can be represented <laughs> No dreidels, no menorahs, nothing that yeah. nothing So you guys can't even represent this belief. So So y'all are, y'all are basically having a Super Bowl party. No, what we're doing and this is what I said, which I'm just gonna put food and alcohol on the table and if you wanna call it Bastille Day, Boxing Day, Festivus, Hanukkah, Ramadan, Cinco de Mayo, your quinceanera, I, I don't give a shit. I'm I'm eat a piece of turkey and get a beer. I'm offended by boxing, and and it goes. I'm a, <laughs> anti-violence, <laughs> so I'm going to file a complaint with HR because you're trying to impart your uh, violent violent ways on me. <laughs> well, dude, honestly, honestly, <laughs> that could be a legitimate. 
a legitimate. You would, hey, look it. If you were to do that right now, Jeff, in in my agency, there would be a hearing. Yeah. There would be a hearing. And you could possibly claim that you were discriminated in some sort of you would you felt discriminated against and or intimidated in some form of fashion. That's where we stand today as a society. That's where we stand. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, man. Would you have a yeah. dummy of the week? I've got. Uh, I'm trying to narrow it down. Um, <laughs> my dummy of the week is one of my Ooh. dummies of the week. I'm going to do three. Is me. Because I watched um, what's Black China's mom, Tokyo Tony's got a show on the Zeus Network. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The, are you, wait, are you serious? All Tokyo of Tony's for real? Are those are real things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are all oh, real things. Wait, what channel is that? In Hollywood, dude. The what? Zeus channel comes on nowhere. I don't even know what the hell the Zeus channel is. <laughs> I, I stumbled across this on the Fire Stick in one of my, uh, you know, procured uh, downloads. The the, the 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 Zeus channel is airing the Tokyo Tony Black China's mother version of let's say uh, Flavor of Love or Rock of Love one of those type of shows where eighteen desperate people come and stay at a rented house in the Hollywood Hills while uh, uh, F list celebrity belittles them and makes them go through several uh weeks of of of, of suiting. like suiting and chores and and, and 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 exploitation and embarrassment <laughs> in order to win absolutely nothing but the right to say you wasted six weeks of your life on this shit, right? Okay. This can I, how old yeah. this is this is, is okay, let's see. Are the gentlemen uh pursuing her age appropriate? No, not all of them. Okay. You range from 18 years old up to like 72. It is a grab. No, this, you know what? I, I'll say this. I'm, I, I call myself dummy of the week for watching it, but I'm going to give them this, the Zeus Network. They, 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 finally, they finally nailed what these, these shows should be because these shows shouldn't have tried to have the level of BS dignity that they've tried to have over the last 15 years, going back to the first iterations of, of, of Flavor of Love, et cetera. No, this is rock, pardon my French, everybody, this is rock goddamn bottom. This is the, this is the scum of the earth. This is what you've wanted to see since the inception of these shows. You wanted to see people, you wanted to see the pigs in the slop, and they gave it to you. They, this is pigs in the slop, man. This is disgusting TV. This is disgusting. Like, leave your dignity at the door. You're going to come here and be totally exploited. Not even the stars of the show, Black China's mom, Black China, and the, the fat friend, who whoever she is. No, this is complete exploitation. This is the garbage. This, this is what you came to see. This is the freak show. They gave it to you, and I'm, I'll be honest with you. I was appalled in the first five minutes, but once right. that appalled, Did you watch the episode two? <laughs> I watched the whole damn season <laughs> because it is disgusting. Like, you might need a shower after you watch it. It's that bad. You, I'm serious. It is disgusting TV. It's trash, and this is the trash that I've always wanted. 
to see, not the kind of cleaned up trash that they give us on VH1, where like made up supposedly high class basketball baby mamas go have lunch <laughs> at, at said three star restaurant, four star restaurant, then end up throwing drinks on each other afterwards. No, <laughs> this is Black China's mother being a total just damn embarrassment, just straight out the hood. Off the stripper pole, I'm a 50-year-old stripper who is just, uh, uh, I'm just trash. And here you go. Welcome to my world. Like, after she says that sentence, she might as well hog spit on a bearskin rug. She might as well hog spit on a silk rug. Like, just, I'm totally disgusting. It is absolute filth. And I'm ashamed of myself to say I loved it because this is what these kind of shows should have been from the start. Phil, that way by now we could have said at least we're sick of it. There could have been somebody to say, you know what, this ain't going to fly no more. But here we are in 2020. And, you know, this is the to me, this is the next bar because we haven't gotten that low yet on network or cable TV. But I'm going to tell you something. Black China's mom is going to make sure we get there. We're hitting rock bottom, folks. This is it. Keep it up with the Kardashians. It's been awesome. Been on for about 10 years. So, yeah. Let me tell you something. Keeping up with the Kardashians compared to this show is an episode of Teletubbies. All right? (laughs) It is an episode of Peppa Pig. It is... This that t- keeping up with the Kardashians, loving hip hop, basketball wives, or the real basketball wives of Atlanta, and R and B and tattoos has nothing on Black China's mother's show. I can't even think of the name of it. Finding love with Tokyo Tony, I think that show is. Oh my God, it is. It. it, it, it I, I can't even. I can't even put it into words. It is the the filth of filth. Get ready. Javon, <laughs> I implore you, good sir, to hold on to the rest of your nominees because I just don't feel that they're going to be anybody now. No, you got it. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's the way to end this episode. That is it. That is it. You All know. right. Well, fellas, thank you as always for rolling with me. We're going to be back next week, and we're going to talk about the first half of Crisis. Uh, it's just three shows and then the back half comes in january so javon there'll be enough time for you to catch up before the grand finale and we can start talking about our year end nominees and give out some awards as we get ready for oscar season our own year end 2019 breakdown all right well thanks fellas for rolling thank y'all out there for listening this episode of Lyle's movie files has been filed